0: You're listening to KZO Allen, Oleander Public Radio. Recording by Rick Vena. Astounding Stories 10, October 1930 by Various, Section 7. Chapter 9, The Invisible Emperor. It was the sound of his name spoken repeatedly that brought dick back to consciousness he opened his eyes blinking in broad daylight he stared about him and the first thing he saw was luke evans regarding him anxiously from a little distance away he saw that it was luke who had spoken he had heard the old man distinctly the condition of inaudibility was gone not that of invisibility Dick stared about him in bewilderment. For a moment, before he quite realized what had happened to him, he thought he had lost his mind. Underneath him was a thick rug, beneath his head a pillow. He could feel both of them, and yet all he could see was the open country, a clearing with shrubbery on either side, and beyond that a luxurious growth of tropical trees. UNDER HIM, TO ALL VISUAL APPEARANCE, WAS THE BARE GROUND. HE MOVED, AND HEARD THE CLANK OF CHAINS. HE LOOKED DOWN AT HIMSELF. HIS WRISTS WERE LOOSELY LINKED TO A CHAIN THAT SEEMED TO STRETCH TIGHT INTO VACANCY, AND END IN NOTHING. HIS ANKLES WERE BOUND LIKEWISE. AND BOTH CHAINS APPEARED TO BE OF SOLID SILVER, BUT THICK ENOUGH TO GIVE THEM THE STRENGTH OF IRON then he perceived that Old Evans was bound in the same way. "'Rennell, Rennell,' repeated the old man in a sort of whimper. "'Thank God you've come out of it. I was afraid you were dead.' "'What's happened?' asked Dick. "'Where are we? Didn't they get us?' "'They've got us, damn them,' snarled Old Evans. "'All the rest burned to cinders, those fine fellows, Rennell. "'You were thrown unconscious.' but none of my tough old bones were hurt. They pulled us out of the wreckage and brought us in here and tied us with these silver chains. In here? But where are we? demanded Dick, trying to pass his hand across his aching forehead and, realizing that the chain, though it seemed fastened to nothing, was perfectly taut. In one of their damned invisible houses, whimpered the old man. They're fireproof. Nearly all our bombs fell on the tarmac, and they did hardly any damage at all. One of those devils was bragging about it to me. I couldn't see anything but his eyes, and they've taken away my gas box, wailed old Luke. Dick cursed comprehensively, and was silent. The burning rage that filled him left him incapable of other utterance silver chains they must be madmen yes that was the only explanation madmen who had escaped from somewhere obtained possession of scientific secrets and banded themselves together to overcome the world if he could get the chance of a blow at them before he died he heard a door swing open a door somewhere out on the prairie two men sprang into sudden visibility, and approached him. There was nothing invisible about these men, though they had seemed to have materialized out of nothing. They wore the same black, trimly-fitting uniform that Dick had seen in the White House. They were flesh and blood, human beings like themselves. "'I congratulate you upon your recovery, Captain Rennell,' remarked one of them with ironical politeness. "'also upon your shrewd coup. "'Needless to say, it had no chance of success, "'but we were misinformed as to the hour at which you might be expected. "'We thought it would take the fools at Washington "'a little longer to puzzle out our location, "'and then we did not put quite sufficient force into our hurricane. "'Quite an artificial one, Captain.' "'Dick, glaring at them, said nothing, "'and the one who had spoken,' "'turned to his companion, laughing, "'and said something in a foreign language "'that he did not recognize. "'His Majesty the Emperor commands your presence. "'And that of this old fool,' said the first man. "'Do not attempt to escape us. "'Death will be instantaneous.' "'He drew a glass rod from his pocket, "'the tip of which glowed with a pale blue light. "'Again he spoke to his companion, who moved apparently a few feet distant out on the prairie. Suddenly, Dick saw old Evans's chain slacken. Then Dick's slackened too. He understood that he was unbound, though his wrists and ankles were still loosely fastened. The second man took his station beside Luke Evans and motioned to him to rise. The first man beckoned to Dick to do the same. The two prisoners got upon their feet, trailing each a length of clanking chain. Each of the two guards covered his captive with the glass rod, and motioned to him to precede him. Choking with fury, Dick obeyed. He had taken a dozen steps, with his guard uttered a sharp command to halt, at the same time shouting some word of command. The edge of a door appeared also seeming to materialize out of space it widened and dick realized that he was looking at the unpainted inner side of a door whose outside was invisible beyond the door appeared a flight of steps dick passed through and descended them he counted fifteen he emerged into a timbered underground passage well lit with lamps filled with what seemed to be mercury vapor. Behind him walked his guard. Behind the guard he heard Luke Evans shambling. Both chains were clinking, and again Dick's fury almost overcame him. He controlled himself. He had no hope or desire for life, but he meant to strike some sort of blow before he died, if it were possible. They turned out of the timbered passage. Dick's guard now walking at his side, the glass rod menacing his back. Dick found himself in a large, subterranean room of extraordinary character. The walls were not merely timbered, but paneled. Pictures hung upon them. There were soft rugs underfoot. There was antique furniture. Everything was in plain sight. There was a door at the farther end. FROM BEYOND WHICH CAME THE MURMUR OF VOICES. TWO GUARDS IN THE SAME BLACK UNIFORM, BUT WITHOUT THE ORNAMENTAL SILVER BRAID, STOOD TO ATTENTION, LONG HALBERDS IN THEIR HANDS. ONE SPOKE A CHALLENGE. THE GUARD AT DICK'S SIDE ANSWERED. THE TWO MEN STEPPED BACKWARD, EACH ABOUT TWO FEET, AND PULLED THE TWO CORDS ON EITHER SIDE OF A CURTAIN BEHIND THE OPEN DOOR dick passed through he stopped in sheer amazement the gorgeousness of this larger room into which he entered was almost stupefying it seemed to have been lifted bodily from some european palace mirrors with gilt edges ran along the side on the floor was a single huge rug of oriental weave at the farther end was a throne of gilt lined WITH RED VELVET, IN WHICH SAT A MAN, AN OLD MAN OF PERHAPS EIGHTY YEARS, WITH A GRAY, PEAKED BEARD, AND FIERCE, COMMANDING FEATURES. ON HIS HEAD WAS A GOLD CROWN, GLITTERING WITH GEMS. ABOUT HIM WERE GATHERED SOME TWO-SCORE MEN, AND A FEW WOMEN. THOSE ARRANGED ON EITHER SIDE OF THE THRONE WORE, LIKE ITS OCCUPANT, ROBES OF RED, lined with ermine the rank behind wore shorter robes less decorative but no less extraordinary they might all have stepped out of some medieval court behind this second line and half encircling them were officers in the black uniform with the silver braid there had been chattering but as dick passed through into the room It was succeeded by complete silence. Dick fixed his eyes upon the old man on the throne. He knew him, knew him for a once famous European ruler who had lost his throne in the war, a man always of unbalanced mentality who, after living for years in exile, had been reported dead three years before, a madman, who had vanished to make this last attempt upon the world, aided and abetted by the secret group of nobles who had surrounded him in the days of his pomp and power. Old men, all of those in the first line, madmen too, perhaps, as madness begets madness, behind them younger men, infected by the strange malady and enthusiastic for their desperate cause yes dick knew this invisible emperor lurking here in his underground palace he knew von kettler too in the second line close to the emperor's throne and among the women in their robes grouped picturesquely about that throne he knew fredegonde valmy dark-haired beneath her coronet of radiant beauty she fixed her eyes upon dick's not a muscle of her face quivered then only did dick see something else which he had not hitherto observed owing to its concealment by the robes of those grouped about the emperor and the sight of it sent such a thrill of fury through him that he stood where he was unable to speak or move a muscle the throne was set on a sort of dais WITH THREE STEPS IN FRONT OF IT. THE LOWEST OF THESE STEPS WAS HOLLOW. WITHIN THIS HOLLOW APPEARED THE HEAD AND SHOULDERS OF A MAN. AN ELDERLY MAN, CLOTHED IN parti-colored RED AND YELLOW, THE TIME-HONORED GARMENT OF COURT FOOLS. HE WAS ON HIS HANDS AND KNEES, AND THE ROUND OF HIS BACK FITTED INTO THE HOLLOW OF THE STEP, AND HAD A FLAT BOARD OVER IT, SO THAT THE EMPEROR, in ascending his throne, would place his foot upon it. He was kept in that position with heavy chains of what looked like gold, which passed about his neck and arms, and fitted into heavy gold staples in the wood. And the old man was President Hargreaves of the United States. The President of the American Republic, chained as a footstool for the invisible emperor. The madman who defied the world. Dick stood petrified, staring into the mild face of the old man, still incapable of speech. Then a herald carrying a long trumpet to which a square banner was attached strode forward from one side of the grotesque assemblage. Dog, on your knees when his majesty deigns to admit you. TO THE PRISONS, HE SHOUTED. THE GUARD AT DICK'S SIDE prodded HIM WITH HIS GLASS ROD. THEN THE STORM OF MAD FURY IN DICK'S HEART RELEASED LIMBS AND VOICE. THE CRY THAT CAME FROM HIS LIPS WAS LIKE NOTHING HUMAN. HE LEAPED UPON THE GUARD WITH A SWIFT UPPERCUT THAT SENT HIM SPRAWLING. THE GLASS ROD SLIPPED FROM HIS HANDS TO THE RUG. STRIKING THE EDGE OF HIS SHOE, AND BROKE TO FRAGMENTS. A SINGLE STREAK OF FIRE SHOT FROM IT, BLASTING A BLACK STREAK ACROSS THE ORIENTAL RUG. DICK LEAPED TOWARD THE THRONE, AND THE ASSEMBLAGE, AS IF PARALYSED BY HIS SUDDEN MANEUVER, REMAINED WATCHING HIM WITHOUT MOVING. THEN A WOMAN SCREAMED, AND INSTANTLY THE PICTURESQUE GATHERING HAD DISSOLVED INTO A MOB, placing itself about the person of the emperor, who sprang from his throne in agitation. Dick was almost at the steps, but it was not at the emperor that he leaped. He sprang to Hargreaves's side. "'Mr. President, I'm an American,' he babbled. "'We've located this gang. We'll blow them off the face of the earth. In chains. God, in chains, sir!' dick stumbled over the length of his own chain that he had been dragging behind him stumbled and fell prone upon the floor before he could regain his feet they were upon him a dozen men were holding him despite his mad frenzied struggles and as at length he paused exhausted one of them covering his head with a glass rod looked up at the emperor who had resumed his seat "'Dick calmed himself. "'Still gripped, he straightened his body "'and gave the mad monarch back, look for look. "'For a moment the two men regarded each other. "'Then a peal of laughter broke from the invisible emperor's lips, "'and anyone who heard that peal, "'any one save those accustomed to him, "'might have known that it was a madman's laughter. "'He flung back his head and laughed.' and the whole crowd laughed too. All those sycophants roared and chuckled, all except Fredegond. It was not till afterward that Dick remembered that. He stood up. Dog of an American, he roared. Do you know why you were brought here? It was because I wanted one Yankee to live and see the irresistible powers that I exercise, so that he can go back and report on them to those fools in washington who still think they can defy me the messenger of the all highest i tell you that the things i have done are nothing in comparison with the things that i have yet to do if your insane government of pig-headed fools persists in its defiance it is my plan to send you back to tell them that their president lies bound in gold chains as my footstool that the hurricane which spread the gas through southern america was a mere summer zephyr in comparison with the storm that i shall send next all the resources of nature are at my command thanks to the illustrious chemists who have been secretly working for the past 10 years to serve me i the All-Highest have been commanded by the Almighty to scourge the world for its insolence in rejecting me, and especially the pig race of Yankees whose pride has grown so great. Mine is the divinely appointed task to cast down your ridiculous democracies and re-establish the divine world order of an emperor and his nobility. That is why I have chosen— to permit so mean a thing as you to live. As for the old fool beside you, who thought to stay my power with his box of tricks, his gas box is already being analyzed by my chemists, and in a few hours, the trivial secret will be at my disposal. "'And that's just where you're wrong,' piped old Luke Evans in his cracked voice. "'That gas can't be analyzed because it contains an unknown isotope and as for yourself you're nothing but a daft old fool with your tin horn trumpery for a moment the emperor stood like a statue staring at old luke the expression on his face was that of a madman but a madman through whose brain a straggling ray of realization has dawned It was the look upon his face that held the whole assemblage spellbound. Then suddenly came intervention. Through a doorway in the side of the hall came one of the officers in black. He advanced to the foot of the throne and made a deep, hurried bow, speaking rapidly in some language incomprehensible to Dick. The emperor started, and then a peal of laughter left his lips pig of a yankee he shouted to dick your contemptible navies now approaching our shores with a dirigible scout above it you shall now see how i deal with such swine end of chapter nine chapter ten the tricks of the trade he barked the command and instantly dick was seized by two of the guards one of whom the one dick had knocked down took the occasion to administer a buffeting in the process of overcoming him for the sight of the honored president of the united states that kindly old man straining his eyes to meet dick's own in the party-colored garb of red and yellow and chained like a beast below the madman's throne again filled dick with a fury beyond all control it was only when he had been half stunned again by the vicious blows of his captors, delivered with short truncheons of heavy wood, that at length he desisted from his futile struggle. With swimming eyes he looked upon the gathering about the throne, which, again taking its cue from the madman, way-roaring with laughter at his antics. AND AGAIN DICK'S EYES ENCOUNTERED THOSE OF Fredegonde VALMY. THE GIRL WAS NOT SMILING. SHE WAS LOOKING STRAIGHT AT HIM, AND FOR A MOMENT IT SEEMED TO DICK AS IF HE READ SOME MESSAGE IN HER EYES. ONLY FOR AN INSTANT THAT IDEA FLASHED THROUGH HIS MIND. HE WAS IN NO MOOD TO RECEIVE MESSAGES. AS HE STOOD, PANTING LIKE A WILD BEAST AT BAY, SUDDENLY, A filmy substance was thrown over his head from behind. Then, as his face emerged, and the rest of his body was swiftly enveloped, he realized what was happening. They had thrown over him one of the invisible garments. He could feel the stuff about him, but he could no longer see his own body or limbs. From his own ken... Dick Rennell had vanished utterly. Where his legs and feet should have been, there was only the rug, with the burn from the glass tube. He raised one arm, and could not see arm or fingers. In another moment, invisible cords had been flung around him. Dick's efforts to renew the struggle were quickly cut short. Trust helplessly. He could only stand glaring at the madman rocking with laughter upon his tinsel throne. Beside him, similarly bound, stood Luke Evans, but Dick was only conscious of the old man's presence by reason of the short, rasping, emphatic curses that broke from his lips. The emperor turned on his throne and beckoned to von Kettler, who approached with a deferential bow. "'Nobility, we charge you with the care of these two prisoners,' he addressed him. "'Have the old one removed to the laboratory, and give orders that he shall assist our chemists to the best of his power in their analysis of the black gas. As for the other, take him up to the central office, and show him how we deal with the Yankees in all other pigs show him everything so that he may take back a correct account of our irresistible powers when we dismiss him come barked one of the guards in dick's ear dick attempted no further resistance convinced of its futility sick and reeling from the blows he had received he accompanied his captors quietly THERE WAS NOTHING MORE THAT HE COULD DO, EITHER FOR PRESIDENT HARGREAVE'S OR FOR OLD LUKE, BUT HE STILL IMAGINED THE POSSIBILITY OF SOMEHOW WARNING THE APPROACHING FLEET OR THE OCCUPANTS OF THE DIRIGIBLE. HE WAS LED ALONG THE PASSAGE, past THE GUARDS, AND UP THE STAIRS AGAIN. THE TOP DOOR OPENED UPON VACANCY. IT CLOSED AND VANISHED dick felt the rugs beneath his feet but he was to all appearances standing on a square of bare earth in the middle of a prairie come barked the guard again and dick accompanied him trailing his silver chain behind came von kettler here are steps said the guard after they had proceeded a short distance dick stumbled against the lowest step of an invisible flight the breeze was cut off showing that they had entered a building underneath was a large oval of bare ground dick found a handrail and groped his way up around a spiral staircase four flights of it here is a room dick saw that widening edge of door again the room inside was perfectly visible though it seemed to be supported upon air. It was a spheroid, of huge size, with a number of large windows set into the walls, and it was filled with machinery. About a dozen workmen in blue blouses were moving to and fro, attending to what appeared to be a number of enormous dynamos, but there were other apparatus of whose significance Dick was ignorant. THE DYNAMOS WERE WHIRRING WITH INTENSE VELOCITY, BUT NOT THE SLIGHTEST SOUND WAS AUDIBLE. Von Kettler stepped to a switch attached to a stanchion of white metal, surmounted by a huge, opaque glass dome, and threw it over. Instantly the hum and whir of machinery became audible. The sound of footsteps, the voices of the workmen, and the creak of boards beneath their feet. You see, we have discovered the means of destroying sound waves as well as shadows, and it was a much simpler feat, said von Kettler with a sneer. Tell them that when you get back to Washington, Yankee pig. Also, you might be interested to know that most of your bombs fell on camouflaged structures that we had erected. "'with the intention of deceiving you.' "'He gestured to Dick to precede him, "'and halted him at a plain round iron pipe or rod "'that rose up through the floor and passed through the roof. "'It was surrounded by a mesh of fine wire. "'Attached to it were various gauges, "'with dials showing red and black numbers. "'This is perhaps our greatest achievement, swine,' remarked von kettler affably you shall see its operations from above he pointed to a narrow spiral staircase rising at the far end of the room it is the practical application of einstein's gravitation and electricity and field relation it is by means of this and the three dynamos on the ground that we were able to neutralize your engines last night and bring them down where we wanted them. You must be sure to tell the Washington Hogs about that. He motioned to Dick to cross the room and ascend the spiral staircase. Following him, he flung another switch similar to the first one, and instantly all sound within the room was cut off. They ascended the winding flight and emerged upon a floor or platform dick felt it under his feet but he could see nothing except the ground far beneath him he seemed to be suspended in the void he stopped groping hesitating to advance von kettler's jarring laugh grated on his ears don't be afraid swine he jeered this place is enclosed there is a shadow-breaking device on every floor WHICH RENDERS US COMPLETE MASTERS OF CAMOUFLAGE. A switch snapped. Dick found himself instantly in a rotunda, roofed with glass, sections of which were raised to a height of three or four feet from the wooden base, admitting a gentle breeze. Three or four men were moving about in it, but these wore the black uniform with the silver braid, and von Kettler's manner, was deferential as he addressed them, jerking his hand contemptuously toward Dick. Grins of derision and malice appeared on all the faces, save one, an elderly officer, apparently of high rank, who came forward and raised his hand to the salute. "'Captain Rennell,' he said, "'we are at war with your nation, but we are also, I hope, gentlemen.' He turned to von Kettler. Is it seemly, he asked, that an officer of the American army should be brought here in chains and cords? Excellency, it is his majesty's command, responded von Kettler, with a servile smirk that hardly concealed his elation. Moreover, the American is to witness the forthcoming destruction of the Yankee fleet. The elderly officer reddened, turned away without replying. "'Dick looked about him. "'There was less machinery in this room. "'The iron pillar that he had seen "'came through the floor "'and terminated some five feet above it "'in another of the opaque glass domes "'filled with iridescent fire. "'About it was a complicated arrangement "'of dials and gauges. "'In the center of the room was a sort of "'camera obscura, a large hood, "'projected above a flat table, "'and an officer was half-concealed beneath it, "'apparently studying the table busily. "'Come, American, "'you shall see your navy on its way to destruction,' "'said von Kettler, "'beckoning Dick within the hood. "'The officer stepped from the table, "'whose top was a sheet of silvered glass, "'leaving von Kettler and Dick in front of it. "'Dick looked.' At first he could see nothing but the vast stretch of sea. Then he began to make out tiny dots at the table's end, terminating in minute blurs that were evidently smoke from the funnels. "'Your ships,' said von Kettler, smiling. "'This is the dirigible.' He pointed to another dot that came into sight, and disappeared almost instantly." They are a hundred and fifty miles away. Explain to your friends in Washington that our super-telescopic sights are based upon a refraction of light that overcomes the Earth's curvature. It is simple, but it happens not to have been worked out until my master commanded it. Dick watched those tiny dots in fascination, mentally computing. At an average speed of fifty knots an hour, THE SQUADRON'S STEAMING RATE. THEY SHOULD BE OFF THE COAST WITHIN THREE HOURS. THE DIRIGIBLE WOULD TAKE TWO IF IT WENT AHEAD TO SCOUT, AS WAS ALMOST CERTAIN. DICK STEPPED BACK FROM BENEATH THE HOOD, AND GLANCED ABOUT HIM. IF ONLY HIS ARMS WERE NOT BOUND, HE MIGHT DO ENOUGH DAMAGE WITHIN A FEW SECONDS TO PUT THE DEADLIER MACHINERY OUT OF COMMISSION. IF ONLY THE SILVERED MIRROR. He glanced about him. Von Kettler, interpreting his thought, smiled coolly. "'You are helpless, my dear Yankee pig,' he said. "'But there is more to see. Oblige me by accompanying me up to the top story.' He pointed to a ladder running up beside the iron pillar, through an opening in the roof, and Dick, with a shrug of the shoulders, complied. He emerged upon a small platform, apparently protruding into vacancy. Far underneath, he saw the clearing, and two airplanes on the tarmac, the aviators looking like beetles from that height. He looked out to sea, and saw no signs of the fleet. "'You have heard of St. Simeon's Stylites, Yankee?' purred von Kettler. THE GENTLEMAN WHO SPENT FORTY YEARS OF HIS LIFE UPON A TALL PILLAR, IN ATONEMENT FOR HIS SINS. IT IS HIS MAJESTY'S DESIRE THAT YOU SPEND, NOT FORTY YEARS, BUT TWO OR THREE HOURS UP HERE, MEDITATING UPON HIS grandeur, BEFORE RETURNING TO EARTH. IT IS ALSO POSSIBLE THAT YOU WILL WITNESS SOMETHING OF CONSIDERABLE INTEREST. LOOK OUT TO SEE. DICK TURNED HIS HEAD INVOLUNTARILY. He heard von Kettler's laugh, heard the snap of a switch, then suddenly he was alone in the void. At that snap of the switch everything had vanished from view behind him, the building, even the platform on which he stood. His feet seemed to rest on nothing, yet below him he could still see the airplanes, and more being wheeled out a sense of extreme physical nausea overcame him. He reeled, then managed to steady himself. He, too, was invisible to his own eyes. Involuntarily he cried out. No sound came from his lips. He stood there, invisible, in an invisible, soundless void. For what seemed an unending period, he occupied himself with endeavoring to obtain the sense of balance. Then, with a great effort, he managed to loosen the cords that bound his right arm to his side. A mighty wrench, and he had slipped them up above his elbow. His right lower arm was free. He extended it cautiously, and his hand encountered a railing. Instantly he felt more at ease. He began moving slowly around in a widening circle and discovered that the platform was enclosed. The further side was, however, open, and he began sliding forward, foot by foot, to locate himself. Once his foot slipped over the edge, and he drew back hastily. He felt on the other side, and discovered that he was upon what seemed a plank walk, perhaps a hundred and fifty feet above the ground with no rail on either side, and some six feet wide. Very cautiously he shuffled his way along it. It was solid enough, although invisible, but more than once Dick walked perilously close to one edge or the other. At length he went down on his hands and knees, and proceeded, crawling, until his movements were arrested by what was unmistakably a door." The Plank Bridge, then, connected the top stories of two buildings, but what the second was there was no means of knowing. The door was barred on the other side, and did not yield an iota to Dick's cautious pressure. Dick felt the frame. Beyond was glass, reinforced with iron on the outside, the latter metal forming a sort of lattice-work. Cautiously, "'Dick began to crawl up the rounded dome. "'Foot by foot he made his way, "'clinging to the iron bars, "'until he felt that he had reached a point "'of the dome's maximum convexity. "'He wedged his feet against a bar and rested. "'Only now was it brought home to him "'that it would be impossible for him "'to find his way back to the plank. "'A long time must have passed.' for, looking out to sea, he could see the squadron now, minute points on the horizon, exuding smudges of smoke. The dirigible was still invisible. The airplanes had either left the tarmac or had been wrapped in the gas-impregnated cloth, for both they and the aviators had vanished. Suddenly, Dick had an odd sensation that the iron was growing warm. In another moment or two, he had no doubt of it. The iron bar he clutched was distinctly warm. It was growing hot. He shifted his grasp to the adjacent bar, and even in that moment the heat had increased perceptibly. Suddenly there came a vibration, a sense of movement. Dick was being swung outward. The whole dome seemed to be dropping into space he dug his feet and fingers under the hot rods, and felt himself sliding over on his back. Back. Back till he was lying horizontally in space, and clutching desperately at the iron bar, which was growing hotter every moment. The sliding movement ceased. It was as if the whole upper section of the glass dome had opened outward. But the heat of the bars was becoming unbearable, and gusts of hot air seemed to be proceeding from within. Hot or not, Dick's only alternative was to work his way back to the stable portion of the dome, or to frizzle until he dropped through space. Clinging desperately to the bars, he began working back, reaching from bar to bar with his right hand, and dragging his feet, with a clanking chain attached, from bar to bar also. How he gained the base of the dome he was never able afterward to understand. The heat had grown intolerable. His hands were blistering. Somehow he reached it. He rested a moment despite the heat, but to find the plank walk was clearly impossible. In another minute he must drop. Better that than to fry there like St. Lawrence on his griddle. And then, just when he had resigned himself to that last drop, there came an unexpected diversion. Almost beside him, a window was hung back. A man looked out. Dick saw one of the workmen in the blue blouses, and behind him, within the dome, what seemed like an empty room. Dick was slightly above the man. As his head and shoulders appeared, he let himself go, landing squarely across his back. He slid down his shoulders, through the open window, into the interior of the dome. The man, flung against the frame of the window by the shock, uttered a piercing cry. Before he could recover his stand, or take in what had happened to him, Dick had gained his feet and leaped upon him. His right hand closed upon his throat. He bore him to the floor and choked him into insensibility. End of chapter 10. End of section 7.